0: At Boost, we've built our brand on a simple idea, choose now, but what does that actually mean? So in this podcast, we're setting out to explore how a choose now mindset can change the way that you think about life. We'll be talking to individuals who have taken the plunge, seized the day and made some difficult decisions. People who have done the hard things to make their life better. We'll also be trying to work out how you can apply a choose now mindset to your own life to break down the barriers that you might have behind making decisions and living the way that you want to live. The opposite of Choose Now is obviously procrastination. So we're also going to be looking at how you can kick out the bad habits that are stopping you from reaching your full potential. my name is Jay London. I'm a radio presenter and broadcaster on Capital FM and I'm all about living in a moment and making the most of the one life that we have. So I'm super excited to be working on this podcast and super excited about the guests that we have on today. So we're speaking to Martin Hibbert and Martin's life changed on the 22nd of May in 2017 when he found himself just two feet away from the blast zone in the Manchester Arena bomb attack. His life changed forever as 22 bolts of shrapnel entered Martin's body at 90 miles per hour. Martin's life was saved by the incredible staff at Salford Major Trauma Centre, but after a 14-hour operation, he was told that his injuries meant that he would never walk again. Most people would have been broken by this devastating news, but Martin Hibbert is not most people since his injury he has dedicated his life to inspiring others to fight through mental and physical barriers to live life to the fullest fast forward a few years and martin decides to embark on the challenge of a lifetime as he attempted to reach the summit of mount kilimanjaro that's over nineteen thousand feet aiming to raise 1 million pounds for spinal injuries association at the time martin Welcome to the podcast. It is a pleasure to have you on here. What an inspiration you are, mate. Oh, thank you. Thank you for your kind words. And uh, yeah, thank you for
1: having me on today. Such a pleasure to uh, speak to you and have this platform to talk about my life and kind of what keeps me going. So, you know, thank you for having me on today. Very,
0: very much appreciated. I'm excited. I just I feel like a lot of people can already be inspired by that. And like I said in that introduction, so many people would have been broken by that news, by your injuries. But the way that you've managed to just flip it around and turn it into something positive—we'll talk about that in depth. How was life before that?
1: Yeah, I mean, really good. Uh pro Boltonian, so proud to be from the northwest, kind of that upbringing. Again, no disrespect to kind of any other part of the UK, but there's a certain grittiness and a and a certain kind of cockiness associated with the Northwest where, you know, life will always throw up obstacles and there's two ways of looking at it. You sit and mop about it or you do something and crack on with it. And, and that's the way that I was brought up. But that Northwestern Boltonian spirit of, you know, never give up, you know, show people what you're about, you know, never wait for your ship to come in, row out and meet it. You know, all these things were really put into me at a very early age. Went to university. You know, kind of found a love and a passion for for business and finance. I became a very successful private banking manager. That then kind of brought my appetite to be a football agent. Fast forward to 2014, set up my own football agency, uh, and that's kind of what I do today. I'm a football agent in the women's game. My life before I was injured was, you know, I ran around 100 mile an hour, but had a good life. You know, yeah, was very successful got married in 2014, I've had a daughter, just very, very happy. You know, I've had, yeah. I've had battles. I was diagnosed with depression in 2014, so there's been a okay. a, a big battle, a big battle with depression, which will will, be, will continue to be a battle, which we'll probably get mm. into today. I think it's important yeah. to talk about that. You know, I spend a lot and yeah, a lot of time talking about that, especially in us men, we're rubbish at, at talking.
0: Yeah, but I think yeah.
1: with with what I've been through, which we'll we'll talk about, you know, it's given me a bit of a platform now to be able to talk about it. And you know, I've saved six people from suicide doing what I'm doing. Oh. Uh, and that's just the people that have got in touch with me. I think a lot more needs to be done with that. So again, as well as the arena story, I also spend mm. a lot of time around the motivational speaking circuit, talking about you know my daily battle with depression and now PTSD as well. You know, I, I live and work yeah. with depression and PTSD, but I'm on no medication now. When I was first diagnosed with it, I was like, surely I can't have depression with my life i'm so happy i've i've got people Mm. that love me i've got i've got money i've got a house i've got cars i've got a good job you know we have nice holidays i travel the world how can somebody like me have depression but again that's the stigma with mental health especially men and where it was in 2014. well you've touched
0: on quite a bit there and i think a lot of the stuff that i can pull from that is just the amount that you're doing because obviously a lot of the reason that we've we've asked you to come onto the podcast to talk about you know the the positive mindset and yeah. you know choosing now is because of you know that that tragedy that happened but you've touched on so many other things there that also make you such a great guest for this podcast you know battling with depression saving people from suicide and as you said those are just the people that got in touch with you except in the fact that men struggle with depression and beating that battle and getting over that and still maybe dealing with some of those aspects today. So I guess maybe the next thing to go into is what type of things do you think are needed within a person to stay on the positive side of the coin? A lot of it is, I think it's the way that you brought up, the
1: way, you know, the values that are put into you, you know, you know, my battle with depression, you know, the the therapy that I had wasn't really well known at the time. So I had something called EMDR therapy. It was being used on uh, US troops coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan, suffering with PTSD. So initially it was something that was used for treating PTSD and anxiety in troops. So I did that. So that taught me a lot. Um, and a lot of that was, and I know people say, you know, if you have positive people around you, you you think positively. Mm. And, it, and it's right to be the person that I am today is tough. And, and it, it's, it is a constant daily battle. You know, I can't have demotivated people around me and i know that sounds really harsh but i've had had to give up you know friends and and some family because of it you know because Mm. i can't i can't have people not being positive and and people being down and being negative i I just can't do it because i'm like a sponge I'll, i'll suck it up when you're in a depressive state that's what depression does when i was going through therapy i gave my depression a fair so it's like a dementor out of harry potter that's what it was doing to me it was sucking the life out of me mm. it's exhausting some days are tough you know i had a i had a bit of a bad day a couple of days ago where just just life and i'm i'm just so busy at the moment and and my wife sometimes has to say look I'm worried, you know, just calm down. You know, you, you mm. you're doing too much cuz me like you'll probably get a flavour of me. I'm I'm like, you know, I can't yeah. I, I can't say no. You know, I want to I want to please people. I want to do things. I want to make people happy. I want to share my story. But sometimes I forget about what I've been through and my body, my mind and body now aren't connected. My mind's still the mm. same. I'm still the same Martin yeah. I was 5, yeah. 10 years ago. Let's do this, let's do that. Some days my body will go you're not getting out of bed today. No,
0: not today. You're staying, yeah. you're staying
1: in bed. And and that's when I get really frustrated. I get angry. I get upset. I cry sometimes because my body just won't get out of bed. You know? Uh, and that that's the most frustrating thing with my injury, that there's things I want to do, you know, daily things that I want to do. And it, it's just getting that balance of I've got to look after myself now. I can't run around 24-7 like I did. What I tend to do now, if I've got a really busy day, I'll take a day off. You know what I mean? So I'm kind of working a day, taking a day off, working a day, yeah, taking a day yeah, off. But sometimes yeah. it, it doesn't work like that. Like next week, pretty much I'm doing something every day. So I know kind of this time next week, I'll be I'll be out for the count,
0: you know? I think a lot of it is accepting as well, the fact that we're all going to have bad days. You know, no day is going to be perfect. And, you know, it's how you get through those days. And you've, you've mentioned a few things there that, I can take a lot of similarities from so you know making sure there's not as much negativity around me so i i have periods where i completely come off the social media so i'll just like i'll just shut down instagram because you know sometimes having positive people around you can be a really good drive but sometimes what i found is having positivity around me can sometimes make me feel a little bit smaller within myself because I'm looking at my peers and these people around me and they're all doing so well and they're sharing all of these amazing things. And I'm feeling like, well, what am I doing? You know? So sometimes it can have a counter effect as well, Of course, but what I haven't done is taken all of that and decide, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to climb a mountain (laughs) 19,000 feet. You know, I consider myself to be quite a positive and driven person, but I don't know what it takes for, for that person to come out for, for someone to say, do you know what, even with my injuries, this is not going to stop me, no. I am going to climb to the top, even with people around me saying don't do it like my spinal doctor and you know, my wife, my my kids, and you know, what? I'm going to do this because I need to do this for myself. So What kind of mindset was you in there? And maybe just talk us through a little bit about how that journey was. I was doing quite a bit of work with a charity
1: called the Spinal Injuries Association who have pretty much been with me from the day I was told I wasn't gonna walk again. And I wanted to give something back. So they asked if they could use me as a story about my life, how I was injured, and how the charity have helped me live a fulfilled life. And I was like, yeah, of course, like no problem at all. What I didn't know, we they'd applied. Uh, there's um, a group of millionaires called the October Club based in London, and every year they choose a charity to raise money for, and it's normally about 500K. We got down to the final three, and part of that was to go down to London and do a pitch. So I had to rock down to London, and basically like what we're doing now just talk about my story and what this amazing charity did on the day that i flew out to australia i got a call from the ceo to say that we'd won the pitch and that we were going to be the chosen charity so it meant that we were going to get a check right. for 500k which for a charity that turns over 3 million is a lot of money um, yeah. so that was great so i went to australia did the stuff came back and then they said like you know as part of this we have to we have to do a big. they have a big fundraiser at the savoy in london there'll probably be about 600 people there like you're gonna have to get on stage and talk i was like great we, we ended up raising a million quid uh, and amazing. and the october club said like in the years that they'd done it they'd never heard a story like it and so i was um invited to be a trustee of the charity which i was very proud and obviously accepted and then somebody made a flippant comment and said, so you, you've raised a million quid now. What are you going to do next year? And they all laughed. And I went, well, let, let's just, let's I'll, I'll risk my life and I'll do something. And they were like, hmm. yeah, whatever. And I was like, no, let, let's yeah. do something crazy. Yeah. And they're like, like, what? And I said, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll do base camp on Mount Everest or something. And they were like, are you being serious? And I'm like, "Yeah." yeah. So I won't say it if I wasn't. I said to raise a million quid, we're going to have to do something that has never been done. Do you remember Simon Cowell like on Britain's Got Talent mm. or one of the shows that he did? And he always used to say like, to be a winner, you've got to do something that's risking your life. And, and, that, mm. and that's what came into my eye. I said, we've got to do something where people go like, what you've done? He's doing what? Like nobody's done it. So I want to be the first person to do it. They, they went away, came back and went, can't do it. It's, it's impossible. Like nobody, mm. nobody will touch us. They just said it's impossible for a wheelchair. That's why it's never been done. So i was like really Mm. like yeah but they've come back and said the second hardest would be kilimanjaro and i was like right Mm. well that's it we do that then crazy North. how i'm gonna do it about you know it was just like right well let's do it when do we start type of thing so uh, that was just before covid so unfortunately you know that obviously that hampered things but we, Mm. we probably would have done it a lot sooner but actually looking back it was probably a good thing because it meant we could take our time training doing training weekends getting mentally and physically fit to do it. So that's where the seed was sown. So I blame everybody at the Spinal Injury Association. Yeah. <laughs> as the world started getting back to, as we all know, now, it meant that we could go out. So I climbed Snowdon, we climbed Penafan, which are hard UK yeah. like, hard yeah, yeah, UK yeah. mountains. I was doing altitude training. I was doing strength and conditioning. I was doing cryotherapy training, you know, going in minus 90 for three minutes and, just doing crazy things, but putting my body and mind up just so much duress. But you know what? I felt I felt great. And actually, that's been the biggest come down. I could feel myself going into a depression because my body was craving for the fitness being put wow. through the motion. So I'm actually starting up again with my PT because my body's missing it. To not have the Kilimanjaro project and to not have my team around me for the first time in a long time felt I felt scared. It felt weird to not have this focus every day that I'd had for two and a half, three years. There was a real big come down. I can't tell you how big it was. But yeah, that's kind of how it started. And, you know, it just kind of spiraled into... Yeah, becoming the second paraplegic to summit Mount Kilimanjaro. We're nearly at 900K fundraising, so we're nearly there now. We're not there yet, so the projects, you know, people are saying, what was it like to climb? And it's like, it's right, but until I've raised a million quid, we're not done. I'm not not going to celebrate. I still have to pinch myself that we've done it. It was a very surreal moment. Obviously, I'm very proud, and in terms of what that does, the messages, I mean, that story's gone all around the world. I get messages from all around the world yeah. i've inspired people but there is a message behind that and in the uk you know the way that we look at disability is if you know my story you'll you'll hear me say a lot that it's not the spinal cord injury it's not the wheelchair that makes me feel disabled it's people and people's perception of disability people write me off as soon as i come into a room um, and i'm like a bolt of a red rag as you can imagine So the Kilimanjaro project, as hard as it was, I almost didn't want it to be about me and about the arena. What I wanted it to be was a catalyst for change. I wanted it to showcase they can do the impossible
0: what advice would you give to someone who feels like they can't choose now seize the day take that risk start living the life that they want to live if you could only say like one or two things to them now to take away from this podcast what kind of advice would you give to those guys there's two things that i say to people
1: my mantra is dream believe achieve if if it's in your mind you can do it like there's excuses but that'll stop you from doing it the second thing that i say to everybody especially when i'm talking about mental health especially men there's, one, there's only one person that dictates the life that you live, and it's you. If you want to do something, mm. you do it. There'll always be people that want to bring you down, tell you you can't do it. If it was that, I wouldn't have done Kilimanjaro. I wouldn't have done half mm. the things that I would have done in life. If you want to do something, you do it. I've failed in a lot of things that I've done. But again, the way that I was brought up, failure, if you're not failing, you're not achieving. And that's how I've been brought up. You'll you will fail, but that's part of achieving. You've got to fail to achieve. But you've got to learn yeah. from the failures to achieve. They're the three things that I'd probably say like dream, believe, achieve. That is what I live by. You know, everything that I've had in life, I've dreamt it. I've believed I can do it and I've achieved it. Like I say, people will tell me I can't do it, people will tell me I'm stupid, crazy. Like, you know what I mean? I love that. I love proving people wrong, as you can probably tell. People that say it, I'm just like, yeah, that's fine. You know, if if that's what you think, that's your opinion. But it's not going to detract me
0: from what I'm going to do. Just coming to the end of this now, Martin, like what's next for you? Because I don't know how much more you can really (laughs) squeeze in. (laughs) Uh, Well,
1: yeah, I mean, I'm doing a lot of motivational talking at the moment, which I'm really enjoying. So I'm going around the country Uh, I was really, really proud to be invited to talk to a lot of the doctors and the nurses that saved my life uh, this week. So I did a big uh, conference, the Northern Care Alliance, so there was about 120 people in the room. So again, you know, having been able to, like I am today, being able to talk about my story and for people to sit there and listen sometimes i get a bit embarrassed about it that they want to listen to somebody from bolton talk about the life I, I still kind of think i'm i'm just martin from bolton you know that people people want to book me in a in the in the diary and speak to their staff there kind of you know so i'm doing a lot of that really enjoying it uh, hoping to go back out to australia and then i've promised my wife and my consultant that i'm going to rest for the remainder of this year but between you and me, a Royal Marine and a Gurkha got in touch and they've said that they can get me to base camp Mount Everest. So, oh, wow. Yeah. They said wow. if I want to do it, if I want to do
0: it, they think
1: they can help me get there. So,
0: that's the one I want to do. It has been an absolute pleasure just to speak to you, even on a one to one basis, to hear some of the stuff that you've been through and just the fact that you can remain so positive and have that choose now mindset. I just think is incredible. And Good luck with the rest of your mountains because we're excited to see you climb those and it's going to be exciting to see. So we're going to keep a close eye on your journey. But no, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, mate. It's, It's been a pleasure.
1: Thanks for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.